Uh, it's a pleasure to join you all on International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to everyone. Um, and apologies that I can't stay long on this call because I have to go at 2.30 to the Shannon Chamber to uh, participate in a debate on International Women's Day. So we'll be raising issues around um, for more legislation on the gender pay gap, on childcare, on safe access zones for abortion clinics, and various other issues that we're working on. I have an op-ed or an opinion piece in today's Irish Times on the need for legislation on reproductive health leave. In other words, to enable women and indeed men who need time off work to access IVF treatment or where a woman has suffered an early miscarriage, that they would get an entitlement to paid leave in the workplace. And we've published a labor bill to provide for that. So it's appropriate on International Women's Day to speak of this and other legislative initiatives that will help to make our workplaces more equal for women and indeed for men. It's a win-win for us all. So, you know, that's some of the work I've been doing, uh, certainly through my legislative role. Um, I, uh, however, am also active as a researcher in an academic sense in Trinity, although I am currently on career break from teaching but I am carrying out doctoral research at present into the, um, the issue of prostitution law reform. Um, and uh, in particular, looking back at the legal process and the uh, polit political process that um, gave rise to the 2017 Criminal Law Sexual Offences Act, part four of which criminalizes the client or the buyer of sex while decriminalizing the seller. And this is clearly a gendered issue since the vast majority of those engaged in prostitution worldwide are women, whereas the almost entirety of the buyer population, the client or purchaser of sex are men. So it's very much a gender regime. We've introduced this uh, purchase ban to Irish law based on the Nordic or equality model of prostitution law. Um, it has been subject to critique from particularly from academic writers, although it's a model that's increasingly being adopted by legislators worldwide. So I'm examining this uh, as part of my doctoral research and looking at feminist arguments behind the reform. And I should say I was one of the drivers of the reform in the Shannad. Uh, so that's part of my research. Continuing to research on, on criminal justice matters. So I teach criminology and feminist criminology normally. So criminology is a big part of my research, but I also teach criminal law. And uh, for many years, I practiced as a criminal defense barrister. So I have a strong interest in that. And I'm currently researching on procedural protections for victims of sex offenses. And again, the 2017 Act brought in some very new innovations and protections for victims or complainants in sex offence trials. So I'm looking at those. Again, I've done a lot of research, including EU-funded research in the past on the rape trial process, on the protections in place for complainants, and on how we can improve our criminal evidence rules and procedures. So that's some of what I do. I should say I've also recently published on the Me Too movement and sexual harassment laws. Uh, but, you know, plenty, plenty of research ongoing 
and uh, plenty more to be done. Happy to take any questions, Sene. I think the you... first one is just in terms of International Women's Day. If you had a, a magic wand to wave um, and, and could be granted a wish, I wanted to ask you what it was. You have mentioned that that very important sex workers legislation. So maybe we'll exclude that because that's possibly too obvious one. Um, uh, and the other one was just in terms of, of barriers in your career. Did you did you experience any barriers um, because of being a woman? And would you like to talk about that? Thanks. Great questions. So uh, first, if I had a magic wand and I love the sign language version of a magic wand, but, uh, if I had a magic wand, I would provide for a universal free access childcare system to be put in place. I would, in other words, make childcare, early years education, the same as primary and secondary, in that we would provide a place for every child. And it's something that for me is a burning issue of equality because women disproportionately bear the burden and responsibility and joy of childcare. And I speak as a mother of two daughters. Uh, and yet we don't make provision for early years. It's up to parents to find their own um, you know, support system. And, you know, that's simply not good enough for children or for women. It holds back women in, in work and it's not good for society generally. Children need that early year stimulation and we're coming to recognise that more and more. That would be my magic wand, childcare for all. Um, obstacles to career progression. Yes, I have experienced them. I think every woman has. And, um, you know, it's it, law is traditionally a male dominated profession, as is uh, politics. So in 2003, before I was a political representative, along with two colleagues, Eileen Drew and Catherine Costello in Trinity, we published a report called Gender Injustice, funded by the Department of Justice, which looked at barriers to women's career progress in law. And we found that women and men were progressing equally until the 30s, the key decade for promotions, for you know, consolidating careers in most professions, especially law. And we found that that was the point at which women started to fall behind, to stick on a sticky floor. It wasn't that women got to a glass ceiling. We were sticking on a sticky floor, not making it to senior counsel at the bar, not making it to partner level at solicitors firms, not making it to professor level in academia. So why was this? Childcare. Lack of, you know, the fact that women were beginning to take time off work in their 30s for child rearing and so on. So that was, you know, we made various recommendations, some of which have been adopted, I'm glad to say, by the professional bodies in law. But when I was first elected to the Senate in 2007, I found again, pale, male and stale. Politics was very, very masculine. So I did a report for the Justice Committee on women's participation in politics in 09. And we found five obstacles. Four are universal. Uh, we call them the four C's and there's a fifth C that holds back women in politics and this five C's has now entered the lexicon we talk about this all the time we based our report on the research from Yvonne Galligan and others those four first C's are lack of cash lack of confidence an old boy's culture and uh, and childcare so those were the four barriers to women's career progression cash confidence culture childcare in politics, a fifth C, candidate selection procedures in political parties, which hold women back because they're based on where you're from, who your father was, all of this. So our recommendations in that report gave rise to the gender quota law, which came into effect in 2013 and which requires political parties to select at least 30% of their candidates of each gender. And it's already making a difference in women's representation at all. 
Uh, that quota, by the way, rises to 40% in the next general election. So I think we'll see again a jump up in our levels of women's representation. So those are the obstacles, though, that hold women back. And every career, every profession, every job, we see these obstacles in place. And we need to take, um, take up a range of measures. Childcare is just one. Paternity leave for fathers. Uh, role models, mentoring, support networks. These are all the things that need to be brought into place. To, um, to get rid of these barriers. Thank you, Ivana. One last question from Jen McGuire. So in terms of COVID, females in research um, and the burden women have carried over the last year, what are your reflections and experiences and how do you see this influencing policy? Yeah, it's a great question because we're seeing quite a few reports. I've referenced them myself in a piece I did for the Irish Times last year, report And the double day of having to do childcare with homeschooling, and I think all of us know with kids what a euphemism that is. Uh, you know, having to juggle homeschooling and working from home, it makes it very difficult for women academics to uh, keep up with research. I mean, I think we all know we do them. You know, there's things you have to do: teaching, admin, and research is the thing that you need the concentrated time for. The clusters, I call it clustering your hours. I find you need a few hours at a stretch where you can just focus on research in order to get those the articles published, the peer-reviewed uh, materials in. And that's where women have really fallen back with COVID. And, you know, some research internationally comparing levels of submissions 